This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Dead TV's podcast, continuing coverage of Clerks, the animated series, as part of the Radio Horror Network. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And we are uh, guest list for now. We're working on something, but I digress. We're talking about Clerks, episodes two and three, as far as that we're aware on the DVD. Keep this in mind, we're going based on the order of the DVDs. I'm not really as concerned about broadcasting or unbroadcasted yeah. history so these were all the, the only two were broadcast and they're broadcast not in order so yeah. we're just going by the dvds yeah because the production of the show was kind of a mess so but uh moving on we're going to go on to the second episode of clerks the animated series the second episode t- entitled the clip show wherein dante and randall are locked in the freezer and remember some of the great moments in their lives actual title Originally aired June 7th, 2000. Dante and Randall get locked in the freezer of the quick stop. There they look back on their lives, primarily in clips from the same and previous episode, including foiling Leonardo's evil plans, working at convenience stores in the United Kingdom and India, how Randall got them kicked off the real world, and uh, uh, unfortunately Jay and Silent Bob... Shit. That's pretty much it. You don't, you don't, I mean, we're, we're I, oh, wait, that, that's fine. I've mixed them up, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. That's a, that's a good enough recap. I'll, I'll just uh, silence for a couple seconds and so I know where to cut this. So, Clerks the Animated Series um, is a parody of sitcoms in general and I- itself. So, we open the episode with, like, Dante coming to work and, of course, the police officers being like, you sell cigarettes here. If you don't, if you don't respect the job, you don't respect yourself. Like he's supposed to be, it's like he's supposed to be in the army or something like that. And of course, the running gag through this whole episode is them climbing up the side of the building like Batman from the previous yeah. episode, which is kind of funny. Uh, as well as uh, a clearly referenced, and I've said it before. I think we've all said it, every time it's cold, hell, it's snowing outside right now while I'm recording this. References to the Empire Strikes Back and Luth freezing to death on Hoth. It's as yeah, cold as cold always cold. running jokes there. Yes. It is hilarious that we have several celebrity guest stars, which we don't need to go into their backstory, because if you don't know who they are, that's fine. But we have Gwyneth Paltrow voicing herself, Gilbert Godfrey as Jerry Seinfeld, Jeff Bennett, Tara Strong, who's best known as playing uh, the voice of uh, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, and several other animated DC characters. We've got Gilbert Godfrey playing Jerry Seinfeld. I just said that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) And, of course, Alec Baldwin returns to play Leonardo Leonardo. Uh, and then we have the other cast members. But it's funny that Gwyneth Paltrow was not that big of an actress in 2000, that they could get her for an animated series. 
That's yeah, really I suppose strange. So. I mean, I, I think as well as Paltrow was one of the biggest A-list actors right now, but I mean, I guess she had a lull in her career for a little while, or she wasn't as big as I remember her to be yet. I Maybe I don't know when her, her career really kind of blossomed, so I don't know. Gilbert I don't Godfrey, know. Maybe she was a fan. Gilbert Godfrey do anything for a nickel, so. <laughs> and Tara Strong yeah. has always been a uh, superb voice actress. Uh, her IMBD credits are freaking long as hell, and if you've ever met her in real life, she is stunningly beautiful. She's been the voice of Starfire on uh, DC's uh, comic characters for a long time. I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, please don't correct me. She's been the voice of Raven, the goth chick. Raven. Um, and yeah. she was the voice of Tara recently on Young Justice, which is an excellent DC app uh, television series. Uh, before we get much further into the episode, Mr. Zeneca, in the last couple weeks, name the top celebrity that you met this week. Oh, well, and it has been the excitement of my week, but I have met Dan Aykroyd in person and had a, a little bit of a conversation with him as he signed my items. And, uh, I mean, I saw him on Wednesday and then I saw him on Friday. He was out peddling his Crystal Head vodka, and uh, I gave him a couple gifts of some Ecto Cooler, vintage, yes, unsafe vintage Ecto Cooler, um, with a full disclaimer about if he drinks it, I'm not held responsible. And uh, and also a gift of a documentary at the drive-in, which features my favorite drive-in, the Mahoning Drive-in, uh, here in Pennsylvania. I met Nicholas Hammond, best known as playing CBS's 1970s Spider-Man. Ooh. Um, I saw from a distance, but didn't meet her, Carmen Electra. <laughs> <laughs> and I met a couple people who, I don't know if they're connected to this animated series, uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Yes, you went to the meet and greet, right? I did. So I met Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, best known for playing Jay and his hetero lifemate Silent Bob, who are in, of course, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, uh, which is... From what I could hear of it, a decent movie, but it's the wrong place to have seen the movie. It was at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. It has got the worst acoustics and speaker system for a movie, no matter what. Plus, I was sitting next to us. I was sitting next to a person. I almost let something out that probably will have somebody leave me a comment about shaming somebody in some way. Sitting next to me, constantly clapping like a giant seal. And I'm not oh. joking. Like, constant fucking clapping. Like, the oh. most annoying way possible. Moving on, I have to rewatch the movie. For the most part, I enjoyed the experience, but it was just it, it, the Wilbur Theater is not the best place to watch a film. The Q and A was great, and seeing Kevin Smith in real life uh, was actually fantastic. I have met Jason Mewes a few times, and in fact, actually played with him on stage at PAX East in the video game Injustice 2. Uh, I was Hellboy, and he was the Flash. Ah, that's excellent! Yeah. Oh my god! That was a couple years ago. In fact, I was actually walking around. I was actually working at Pax East, and I was walking around with the Infinity Gauntlet. And this was about three months before the Infinity War movie had come out. So I was one of the first people to actually have one of these things. And walking around Pax East or whatever, a lot of people wanted to see the Infinity Gauntlet because it wasn't as uh, wide distributed yet. Or it was a $100 toy that a lot of people didn't buy, but I had a gift card for. And Jason got to hold it and take a picture with me with it. That's amazing. Yeah. Moving back to the episode, um, uh, what are some of the other ridiculous pop culture references that we have in this episode? Is The plot basically just involves them getting stuck in the freezer and then getting out of the freezer, and a giant bad gay joke involving Randall being married to a Japanese business. Yeah. You know, this episode I didn't really care for because 
I know that there's the joke of having a flashback in the second episode back to the first episode. It's it it's funny, but it's not really all that funny to me. It just was more confusing than anything else as we're going into the episode. Uh, but they were having um, pop culture references from all over, especially as they're doing their uh, flashbacks from all of the quick stop marts that they actually worked at in India and London. Uh, they had a joke which was actually pulled about the Burn Awards. Uh, in the commentary for the DVDs, if you listen to the Kevin Smith and, and staff uh, commentary, there is a joke called the, um, the Pediatric Burn Ward, which in the show they had to change it to the sign to say the other burn ward. Mm. Yeah, that was actually cut. Um, in this episode, we do actually have the voice of Richard Dreyfus's brother. Uh, and Richard Dreyfus's brother, Lauren, does a very similar voice to Richard Dreyfus, so it may it sounds confusing. <laughs> it sounds like Richard Dreyfus, but it's not. And he plays uh, the voice of the guy in the 80s flashback. They also have the giant icicles made of themselves, which is kind of funny. Um, they, they, they can't get out of the freezer. Honestly, this is like the dumbest of the episodes, I think, in my opinion. It, it really is, because it's so disjointed. Yeah, it's just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, the episode is directed by Nicholas uh, Filippi. Filippi, Filippi, I think. Was he the direct episode director of the, the last one? No, he wasn't. Uh, this guy's worked on producer of the Big Hero 6 TV series, which, if you haven't watched, is a lot of fun, and I hope it shows up on the Disney Plus app because it's not right now. Um, Kim Possible, which is on the Disney Plus app. If you have it, you can watch Kim Possible. Uh, and he's also worked on The Legend of Tarzan, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series from 2003 to 2009, Mighty Ducks, um, and the director of uh, Wolverine and the X-Men and the Penguins of Madagascar. Oh. Yeah, so if you like all those, he's been in animation for a while, so, I mean, that's that's good stuff for him. Um, he's been in animation off and on through his career. Uh, last job hasn't been in a while, though, so other than the... Uh, Big Hero 6 TV series, so. But uh, definitely worth checking out, but this is not one of his better uh, contributes to uh, society. I do like the fact that they get locked up in the video store. Right after the video store, people are like, where have you been? And it reminds me of the woman who uh, was waiting for Randall to return the video, or she was trying to get his opinion about the videos, or the scene where Randall in the original Clerks movie is uh, reading off the names of the most grotesque pornos in front of her children. Oh, yes, yes. Sluts who love cum or big black cocks and stuff like that. <laughs> all, all of those nasty titles in front of this toddler, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, Randall, what does he do in Clerks? He goes to a blockbuster video just or, or what looks like a blockbuster video just to rent a transgender porno. Because he likes the selection over there better. Oh, in the Jay and Silent Bob movie, um, Jeff Anderson is not in it. And the reason why is because him and Kevin Smith had their big falling out, and this is before they patched it up. But uh, Brian O'Halloran does appear in the beginning and the ending of the movie as Dante. Ooh, but it's okay. alluded to Randall is somewhere on the run from the law, apparently. Ooh. So, which is funny considering him and Dante, if continuity in Kevin Smith's movies is uh, accurate, him and, Ran him and Dante are co-owners of Clerks. They bought the Clerks building with money from Jay and Silent Bob, that Jay and Silent Bob acquired from their lawsuit over the Hollywood uh, movie based on their likeness, if you remember. 
Well, I just rewatched Clerks 2 uh, today, really, to prepare for today. And um, they, the money borrowed from Jay and Silent Bob, the only conditions for that money was that they got to stand in front of the quick stop anytime that they wanted. Right. Which, Easy thing to grant. Which, um, it, it's in the trailer. Jay finds out that he has a daughter from um, uh, Justice, the jewel thief that he was in love with, and Jay and Silent Bob strikes back. And mm-hmm. she kept it from him because he's, I mean, he's Jay. I mean, he's, 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 he's a drug addict, you know, misfit maker. Um, and why would you want your daughter to be associated with that type of person? And it's a big part of that movie is missing father figures and uh, absentee parenting. Um, and also a, a big movie about, you know, overcoming one's past, which is brought up a lot in the Q&A with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, because Jay, Jason Mewes is a recovering drug addict um, from mm-hmm. some horrible, horrible drugs. And um, in the movie, I'm not going to give away a lot of the plot or the spoilers, but his daughter appears in the movie, his four-year-old daughter. And it is one of the touching, most sweetest moments of the movie that I almost cried watching because it involves other characters from other Kevin Smith films that I thought tied everything together, including a huge one no one thought was going to return to a Kevin Smith movie. And sure enough, this person did. Um, And Kevin answered the question about Jeff Anderson, and everything has worked out, everything is good again, and they're going to be doing Clerks 3. Okay, great. So, But he is not going to be using the script that he wrote years ago, which would have had... Uh, Dante and Randall getting murdered at the quick stop. Okay. So they're going to put them in a place that's going to give them a happily ever after. I hopefully Rosie O'Dawson comes back because her and Dante are married in the Clerks universe. However, Rosie O'Dawson it was in Jay and Silent Bob, but she her char- but she played a different character. She's actually Justice's wife. Justice is bisexual. Oh, interesting. Okay. So. Just a little bit of spoilers, but not enough for the bigger part. It doesn't ruin the movie for me. It doesn't ruin the movie. I will still see it. So that's pretty much it for this episode. Why don't we move on to the second episode, which is the Mutabu virus outbreak episode. I I do have one uh, kind of important note from the commentary track, is that when this show was originally aired... You know, all of the bits and all the gags, of course, have to be run through network executives for clearance and whatnot. And there's one joke that's actually on the disc that's not in the, um, was not broadcast live. And that was the Nazi joke with uh, the crossover of the Flintstones. So it's the Nazi Schindler's List joke. Uh, So it's the Flintstones list where the people are being ushered into a train and then they pick up the train and then walk the train. That was cut from the live broadcast. So it's completely different. But, yeah, I just had to mention that. Gotcha. So the second episode, um, and we will uh, just jump right into it, is uh, Mrs. Zeneca has the episode on Plot Synopsis Force. Episode 3. Title is... Leonardo is caught in the grip of an outbreak of Randall's imagination, and Patrick Swayze either does or doesn't work at the new pet store. Originally aired February 20th, 2001. Quick Stop is put under government control after Leonardo is said to have been infected with a deadly virus by a monkey at the new pet store next to RST Video, at which they find Patrick Swayze working. Unfortunately, Jay and Silent Bob steal the monkey so they can teach it to smoke. 
The town of Leonardo is to be destroyed unless Dante and Randall manage to stop the helicopter pilot from dropping a bomb. After Randall tells the pilot that Dante is gay, Dante is forced to state that he is gay on live television to save the town. Once again, Kevin Smith's gay jokes don't exactly hold up, which is a shame considering he made a giant lesbian movie that holds up pretty well today. In fact, again, big connection in the up, you know the movie that's out in theaters right now. But uh, his animated jokes about being gay don't hold up, and in his excuse sometimes it's because his brother's gay he gets away with it. But I, I, he, he definitely tones it down for his later films, which is fine. Um, we have, yeah, yeah. In the 90s, there was a whole bunch of popularity of just using gay jokes, and as time has gone on, those jokes have just become distasteful. In this episode, we have James Woods playing Major Baklava, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I just got done watching a big interview with James Woods about John Carpenter and his vampires. Still one of my favorite movies that holds up. We have Charles Barkley returning. We have Gilbert Godfrey playing Patrick Swayze, Tara Strong once again. Brian Cranston does various voices in this. This is definitely before Cranston became the big star that he did. Yes, this was during the time of Malcolm in the Middle. Correct. Um, and uh, Dana Gould and Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson do voices as well, who are, of course, from uh, Comic Book Man. Um, Alec Baldwin returns once again to play Leonardo Leonardo. Um, this is a giant parody of Outbreak, which, if you've never seen, is a Dustin Hoffman movie starring Cuba Gooding Jr. and uh, uh, Kevin Spacey and a whole bunch of other great actors as well. If you've never seen Outbreak, it's highly recommended. That movie is awesome. And the, the mention of Dustin Hoffman in this episode, uh, what they state in the episode is actually true regarding his lawyers. Randall has a thought bubble and this monkey plus burrito plus sick, you know, Leonardo Leonardo minus burrito equals Dustin Hoffman. Well, Dustin Hoffman had previously sued someone for his picture image being used. So in order to sidestep that issue, they replaced Dustin Hoffman's image with Al Pacino instead from the DVD commentary. <laughs> what was the name of the first of the what was the name of the woman who wrote a letter into the clerk's uh, show? Oh, I didn't write down her name. Jennifer Schwabach. She is best known as being Jennifer Schwabach Smith, the wife of Kevin Smith. Oh! <laughs> who Dante has a relationship with in Clerks 2, the woman that he's supposed to marry before uh, Rosario Dawson tells him that she is pregnant with his kid is Kevin Smith's wife. Nice. And she's also one of the jewel thieves that works alongside Justin Jane Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, she was in the Playboy issue that we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Mayor McCheese and the cop are McDonald's characters that they don't use anymore because McDonald's does not use cartoon characters to promote their food anymore, hence why we haven't seen Ronald McDonald in years because, like Joe Camel, cartoon characters to promote tobacco and obesity have very much been frowned upon these days because you can't parent your kids and tell them to eat healthy. we got to blame McDonald's for what they're putting your food kids. We, ah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Blaming McDonald's for your kid's obesity is not the correct way to... I don't think that Joe, Joe Camel and Ronald McDonald are to blame for tobacco use and child obesity. Do you? Mm, marketing is pretty powerful. I don't think they're to blame, but they are a critical enhancement of that. Okay, that's what I was trying to say. So moving on before we get any angry well, letters. Oh, well, I'm, 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 which well, I'm sure to, someone will. To a note on the actual um, getting of those characters for the show, they actually had to contact McDonald's corporate in order to get permission to display those characters. 
And um, at first, McDonald's didn't want to have uh, Mayor McCheese and Big Mac as characters in the show, but when they were explained how they were going to be illustrated, McDonald's really dived in and helped with the character design on these as well. By the way, uh, just to point out that um, the narrator of all the episodes, we didn't point this out last week, is Kevin Michael Richardson, long-time voice actor, having worked on, like, hundreds of things, including the aforementioned Young Justice, Lilo and Stitch, the Transformer movies, Mortal Kombat, where he actually played Goro, American Dad, where he plays the principal, Family Guy, where he plays Cleveland Brown Jr., and Jerome, the bar, uh, the bar owner... DC Superhero Girls, Teen Titans Go, where he plays uh, Trigun, Raven's father, uh, The Adventures of Puss in Boots, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, in the in uh, where he played the Shredder. Uh, this is the 2000s cartoon series, Samurai Jack, and hundreds of other cartoons and live action pieces. So Kevin Michael Richardson, amazing voice actor, uh, absolute just pillar of the voice acting community. Now, in the beginning, you know, when they're doing the the fan mail, you know, this is only their third episode, but they're doing the fan mail, and they introduce the black character, Lando. Huh. Now, in, this is the continuing joke throughout the episode, is that Lando is supposed to be giving, you know, wisdom or little tidbits to guide them through their journey, and instead, he's just shown walking across the screen, uh, very, very few lines, adjusting a little microphone, can't pilot the the helicopter, interrupted. You know, it's just everything. But it's a character that they were planning on building out in further episodes, but it just didn't work. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Not that they really had a lot to to, uh, to fill out, considering the show only ran yeah. two episodes. True, true. Um, yeah, yeah. And then they never really knew why they it got canned, either. The Mutabu virus, I think, is from the movie Outbreak. I don't Outbreak. Think that, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. know. Is the Mutabu virus real? No. Okay. Um, I do love this. Uh, okay, so the I love how Randall tricks Dante into sleeping at the store, but he doesn't have to actually open the store early. We also find out uh, that, uh, that uh, microwave burritos being left outside can cause internal sickness, almost death. Hence, you know, Mr. Leonardo eating the burrito left outside. Yeah. yeah that, that, that was disgusting. <laughs> what? <laughs> he sticks the burrito box in the tip jar. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> and and it's, it got flies all over it and, you know, little stink, you know, green smokish thing coming out of it. Yeah. It's, who, would, who would put that in their mouth? Um... I love how they the last thing they want to do is order burgers, and they don't get the right burgers. They go back. They still don't get the right burgers. The customer service guy is slightly rude to him, and they decide to write a letter to customer service to complain about the food and the service at the restaurant. <laughs> and that's how they spent their last 24 hours on Earth, as according to what the CDC told them, that they had only 24 hours to live, even though the tests were negative. And this is the, what they spent with their 24 hours, complaining about their burger orders bit ridiculous but yeah it, this whole episode is just supposed to be one giant ridiculous joke anyway so it's not it's not meant to be taken seriously oh definitely not i i don't think we could really put any sort of science or reality to any of these bits or gags no the fact that they call in the stealth bomber it's like oh the fact that they uh the cdc sets up command center at the copy at the copy dispensary inside the quick stop is like what that's just weird yeah 
and they, they use this pop-up tent to just tent the whole area to be quarantined. And, Which is filled yeah. with helium, apparently, because oxygen would not make your voice sound like a chipmunk like it does the Jay's voice when they get when they uh, when they when Silent Bob pops the tent with his cigarette and he inhales the helium, and Jay has the E.T. phone home parody. But, of course, then Bob doesn't say anything at all. <laughs> it only works if you speak. Wow, yeah. J- uh, yeah. Silent Bob's big moment for speaking in Jay and Silent Bob reboot is hilarious, and honestly, I think the most he ever talks in any of the movies, including Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, because his big moment to talk isn't until obviously the end of the movie when he talks about the copyright infringement involving him and Jay's characters for the Bluntman and Chronic movie. Yeah, yeah, about their legal rights to right. their likenesses. Other than telling Jay whatever about the fucking sign that he keeps pointing to at the back of the goddamn <laughs> bus, and he's just like, you can tell me that stupid Chasing Amy story a thousand times, but you can't talk right now. And he's like, the fucking sign! You fucking moron! <laughs> <laughs> Say it, don't spray it, man. <laughs> Wipe his face. But uh, Silent Bob has a huge fucking monologue in the movie, which is perfect. Uh, which I won't spoil when and how it happens, but it's absolutely brilliant what it does. And again, I think it's the most lines that Kevin Smith ever says. <laughs> <laughs> In this episode, after Jay, after Dante has to admit that he's gay, uh. you know, he he has to convince the pilots to not drop the bomb on the city because they think CDC thinks that this disease is everywhere. And in order to convince the pilot not to drop the bomb, he has to say that he's gay. Well. They actually say an address of Dante uh, in the episode, and I looked up this address to see if it was real, and um, surprisingly, I actually got a real place. Uh, So in the episode, it's at 21 Jackson Street, Leonardo, New Jersey, 07732. Well, 21 Jackson Street, Highlands, New Jersey, 07732, is a three-bedroom, one-bath, 942-square-feet house. This looks quite cute. And uh, it's not for sale, but if you had close to you know, $300,000, you could conceivably buy this place. The house that Jay and Silent Bob are crashing. Uh, the one that is supposed, the one that is stated to be Dante's house. Oh, okay. From, right. from the news. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, because Jay and Silent Bob are in a sweet Hollywood estate as well, the beginning for the opening of every episode. Yeah, those those are the little introduction scenes that they added into the DVDs. Every episode of this has a commentary by Kevin too. Yes, it has all sorts of factoids. You know, just I'm spilling a few of them here on online with you folks. But uh, if you listen to the entire commentary, it has great facts about how the show was made, the problems they ran into with like the Korean. Um, animation uh, staff and how the the scripts get produced and like a whole bunch of stuff. Hmm. Highly recommend. Cool. Um, that's pretty much all the notes that I have. The t- paper at the very end says local gay saves town. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Poor Dante. Uh, which of course is repeated later on in um, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Uh, do you, don't forget that the the two kids that uh, make fun of Morris Day in the Times uh, outside the quick stop. They go into the quick stop and uh, ask Dante and Randall how was their wedding ceremony, that they were married mm-hmm. as stormtroopers, and he's the bitch and you're the, he, you know, he's the catcher yeah. and the receiver. And, of course, Dante's just like, I'm the bitch! 
<laughs> Randall's like, if we were married, that's how I would perceive it. Now that's funny. <laughs> um, it is definitely amusing, but yeah, you know. because in Clerks too, don't forget the whole, the only way Jay and Silent Bob will give them the money to buy the Quick Stop is if they blow each other. <laughs> that was the second condition, but they dropped that one. <laughs> they dropped that one. Somebody asked. No. Somebody asked at the Q and A, Kevin Smith, if Jay, if Silent Bob is gay. And Kevin Smith has said that he's more likely bisexual. Okay. Because in the comic book offshoot of Jay and Silent Bob's universe, uh, the VSQ universe, Bob is one of the guys that the 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 chasing Amy girl's wife. If you saw Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, they're married. the The girl who wrote the sex book is married to Ben Affleck's former girlfriend. Remember. I think so. At the, when they leave the Jay, when they leave the movie Blunt Man and Chronic at the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, yeah. uh, Joey Lauren Adams is seen leaving the theater with her wife, and the wife is the teenager who wrote the sex book in Mallrats. Oh, and Jay, I didn't notice that. Silent Bob is one of the men that she slept with for her book education. Okay. Yeah. So. That right there would signify that Bob is least bisexual, but don't forget later on in the movie when Jay uh, said that he was going to, you were going to suck my cock, weren't you? And he shakes his head, but then looks straight at the camera of the audience and shakes his head up and down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, in it's, it's, it's weird. So, like, the, the gay humor sometimes is completely just an utterly gross and grotesque or whatever for the context, but then sometimes it kind of works. I don't know. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's back and forth. Well, there's there's a line that I draw in in humor like this where I have to ask myself, is it trying to humiliate the person? If it's trying to humiliate the gay person, then it's not a good joke. If it's if it is not humiliating to them, um, and it is pointing out something that is like a commonality, um, just because of the nature of gay relationships, you know, they've got same sex partners. That's you know, if you're pointing out what is a fact. Um, and it's humorous to do so, then it's actually funny. Um, I don't really like jokes that humiliate other people. It, it just seems to poor taste to me. So sometimes the gay jokes are funny, and they're funny in an objective way, um, not funny just because it was the 90s. Right. Um, I also think there's a distinction between um, 90s gay jokes and 2000 gay jokes. Yes, indeed. Moving on from all that, because we'll probably have to come back to this later on in these episodes, that's all the notes I do have here for these episodes of the Clerks animated series. Um, well, I've, I've got one more that uh, right. from the commentary I'd like to say here. Right. Now, they wanted to get uh, Patrick Swayze to actually be the voice of the character Patrick Swayze. Because so in the show, got, uh, yeah. Gilbert Gottfried is actually playing Patrick Swayze. The Korean animators couldn't actually get the image of Patrick Swayze correct. But when they did, they approached Patrick Swayze with the offer, and his lawyers basically just poo-pooed the whole thing. He's not going to do it. He's not going to um, have his, uh, his voice on this because the implication that he is working at a pet store implies that his acting career did not do well, and that was not something that him and his lawyers wanted to have out there. So Right. So Gilbert Godfrey did a terrible voice for it. Yeah. Uh, 
Don't forget, you can check us out in two weeks uh, for the next two episodes or so. We might have a guest. We're still working on it for the Clerks animated series. And then uh, we will be on to Witchblade. Don't forget to check us out on the Dead TV Podcast on Facebook and at Christy SAV and at Elegantly Kinky. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Again, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. And we'll be back in two weeks with more episodes of Clerks, the animated series, here on the Dead TV Podcast. Good night.